Welcome to the Yoni Codes. I'm Melissa April. And I'm Catherine Blanco. Together, through the lens of rebirth, we uncover the mystery teachings of the sacred feminine. This includes all that we create and birth into the world and the rites of passage we walk through as women. We touch on all facets of womanhood because just like you, we're mothers, creatives, entrepreneurs, and lovers. And we seek a more truthful, sovereign, and authentic experience of life for ourselves, our children, and the collective consciousness. These powerful conversations use the codes of creation as wisdom teachers for a beautiful life. We can't wait to dive in with you. So we're talking today about shame. And this conversation came about from a conversation that Catherine and I were having. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) (laughs) And I was telling Catherine about how I went on Instagram. I've been taking a break, but I, I popped on to check something. And of course, the very first thing that pops up is this post from this guy talking about the harmful effects of Tylenol in children. And it was quite a like you know, big, abrasive, like in your face, caption, picture thing. And I was like, what? I mean, I had heard this, like, you know, and I I don't, it's not like I am popping Tylenol, giving my children Tylenol right, left and center, but they have had Tylenol in the past. Um, But yeah, I kind of went in and I was reading that. And then I, I was looking at the comments as you do. And then I started to go into other people's pages and just following the breadcrumbs. And it was leading me to all sorts of people's opinions and pages and this one, this one, uh, account in particular, and I was scrolling through it and I found myself in a total shame spiral, like, Oh my God, I've, I've hurt my children. I've, I've done something bad. Like I'm a bad mother. Like I should have researched this more thoroughly before I should, I should have things on hand. Like I should have tried, I should have just let the fever ride out. I should have waited till it crept up above, you know, 103 point, whatever. And I, like, I, I just went into this huge thing over giving my kids Tylenol a couple of times because of really high fevers and you know, and and whatever. Anyways, I'm not even going to justify myself. Mm-hmm. The point is, this is just one example of where shame pops up. And I think that, um, you know, through this conversation that Catherine and I were having, it was, it was like the amount of unresolved shame that we carry in our bodies mm-hmm. is going to be amplified once we, once we, once we become a parent Mm-hmm. And I've seen this so much. My kids are not even two. They're almost two, but they're not even two yet. And the amount of shame that has been dropping in since the moment from my, you know, from the beginning, from conception until now, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's like, wow, oh, wow, that's big and compounded over time. Like while they're under my wing, under my leadership and guidance, like who am I going to be at the end of these 18 years while they're under my, my wing, Mm -hmm. if I'm going to allow the shame to compound. So this is where this conversation, the soil, the conversation sprouted from, and we were like, we need to talk about this. Yes, definitely. And it's so interesting because this conversation that we had wasn't very long ago. And since then I have also been recognizing where shame is hiding in my body 
around my decision-making with my parenting and gosh, it's, it's almost like it's been living there under the surface without me recognizing it, it existing. It's just this like sort of undercurrent of, Oh, that one, that's going in the shame pile. Oh, that's going in the shame pile. And it felt really freeing to speak about it with Melissa uncensored and just be able to say it out loud, <laughs> like say the things I'm feeling shame around or, you know, like, Hey, finding some common ground between the two of us in regards to some choices that we made. And we are hoping that this conversation can give you that levity as well in knowing like, Hey, <laughs> You're not the only mom out there or parent out there feeling this little this feeling of humiliation and loneliness in it too. I feel like it's shame is a very isolating mm. feeling because if I were to if I were to expose my underbelly of shame, are you going to judge me? Is this shame right rightfully? Um, earned, <laughs> you know, are you going to help alleviate it or are you going to compound it even more because I'm, because I was wrong for giving my child Tylenol, for example, you know? Yeah. Um, and it, it it's scary to, to sort of be real and be honest about, about this. Well, yeah. And, you know, it's funny because I feel like we're in this time right now and I, social media obviously has a huge part in this where it's almost like, you know, we share our day to day and we share our lives in varying capacities. And, and I've noticed, especially over the last couple of years, like really censoring like stupid things of like, I don't want to share, not that I'm like sitting there posting about my dinner all the time, but like, <laughs> So, you know, on stories or whatever, showing like making like bone broth or like, you know, certain things that I've eaten or like in my pregnancy eating liver and like organ, organ meats and, and whatnot and, and feeling like shame because of the vegans or because of mm -hmm. the plant-based people who have really strong opinions about that and not wanting to like them to cast judgment on me. And it's like, this is all in my head, but, but also it's like, we see this across the board where it's like, you're damned. If you do, you're damned. If you don't, mm -hmm. you eat meat, you're damned. You don't eat meat. You're damned. Like we all have these like very, very strong opinions. My way is the right way. And if you don't subscribe to that way, you're wrong. Yeah. And if you're wrong, that means you're bad. Yeah. And I don't like you because you like to hurt animals. You totally. know, it's like we go into this thing and, you know, God, talk about self-censorship. -cens talk about censorship in general. We do this to ourselves. No wonder we're allowing it from, you know, these big conglomerates. It's because we do it to ourselves. We're doing it to each other. There is no safety. It doesn't feel like there's a lot of safety to just be raw and real and honest and open and be able to have that so-called freedom of speech you know, freedom to be, um, because usually when we are 
really allowing ourselves to take up space in that arena, we are setting ourselves up to be attacked or judged. And Mm -hmm. that is a breeding ground for shame. Yes. And as, as people before social media, (laughs) I don't know how old you guys are listening to this, but I became a mom before social media was a thing, like before Facebook existed. I I know I sound young, but I'm very old. Um, (laughs) But I still had shame around the choices I was making for food for, you know, like I was still had had that just even in my immediate community. Mm. Um like the the feeling of, of feeling really exposed when people would ask about bedtime routines and nap time and oh what were your kids first solids and like you know like though even those conversations back then before we had such a large um space to get fed information there was still this feeling of shame around around my motherhood. Mm. And can you actually notice a difference, like kind of being on both ends of those, you know, the spectrum there? Like, do you feel like it's a lot more intense now than it was then? Or did it feel kind of... I think it felt, it feels more intense now. And at the same time, it's also easier to find like-minded people that help alleviate that shame Mm, yeah it's so there there is some positive aspects to to this that space like the online space in that I was able like I have been able to find folks that have similar views and my views have changed quite a bit (laughs) especially over the last 10 years I would say um, and, and the way that I parent and even the foods that I eat and, and things like that. Um, thank goodness. I think evolving is, is what we're here to do, but through that, I think it's actually been easier to find. Yeah. Places where I feel more seen mm-hmm, mm-hmm. versus being in the, the, the earlier two thousands. But I think there's, it's multifaceted though, because I was also a young mom Mm. then versus being a more seasoned on the more seasoned side of the spectrum, (laughs) like the being 39 now versus 20, 21. It's a big difference too in, in owning my, my decisions. Mm. And yet that, that little feeling comes in and it's really fascinating. I'm still like, I'm still processing <laughs> from when we first talked about this, like before the mic, Yeah, on, you yeah. know, like it, I'm still like uncovering like where it is living inside me and why is it there? Yeah. Especially because like Melissa and I, like we both have done a lot of healing and we have a lot of tools in our toolbox to sort of move these types of emotions. And at the same time, yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling even like some restriction in speaking about it Uh, (laughs) right now. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's very multi-layered. And I think that, 
it's probably going to take <laughs> a lifetime to like unbind ourselves to these. I thought it was just templates. This episode, Melissa, yeah. I thought we were gonna, like talk it out and we'll be good. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I think this is, you know, one of the things that, um, Brene Brown talks about is like one of the ways to really perpetuate that really like perpetuates shame and makes it sort of spread exponentially is like secrecy and, and Mm -hmm. silence. And so being able to talk and we were like, Catherine and I were talking about this and and being like, Oh yeah, well, sometimes I do this and yeah, sometimes I've done this or, you know, people would be surprised that I do this. And like, we were just, it was just like full on like sharing circle. Like, let me just get it out and like be heard and be seen and be like, by somebody who's not going to hold judgment and not going to cast cast judgment or, or make you feel bad or anything about our decisions that we make. Um, I think that's so important. It was really cathartic actually to just talk. I was like, Hey, so I had this <laughs> experience. Can I tell you about it? Cause I was like up going into my shame spiral online and I'm like, ah, Mm-hmm. Ah, stop it stop it stop it but can you read the definition that you oh yes yeah for yeah for for shame and I have so much to say about this but um so I pulled this definition there's a few out there on um but this one is shame a powerful feel or a painful I would say also powerful, a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. Mm. What stands out to me about this definition of shame in particular is that it's caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. However, sometimes as mothers and parents we're often feeling shame even though we have done nothing wrong yeah but we've done something maybe we've done something wrong by someone else's definition of wrong yeah but not like actually morally wrong yeah so that i find fascinating that we're holding on to this darkness i i like when i visualize shame i see it like this like how Brene talks about it too is like it being in the shadows, right? Like this little, like this dark pit yeah. and it's just hiding. And who is it serving, holding on to this darkness within ourselves? The patriarchy. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Capitalism. <laughs> White supremacy. Yes. <laughs> No, for real though. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's so true. And I mean, I think this extends beyond just being a parent, right? I think it just becomes exasperated when you love something so much, something that you've agreed to take on and raise and love and, and, and impart wisdom and, and life lessons to it's like, you know, whether it's your child or something that, you know, your business or something you're creating or, you know, some things that really, really matter. It's like, I feel like that's when we become more susceptible for shame to leech onto us mm-hmm. um, or it becomes more pronounced, you know, because it's like, 
I'm doing wrong by somebody else now. It's not just me or, you know, I'm doing wrong by this thing that's so important to me or this person that's so important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think oftentimes it isn't. I mean, I think most of the time, probably the majority of the time, it has nothing to do with we've done something morally wrong mm-hmm. because life is just lessons. Life is just moving through and and living our lives and and learning and growing and evolving. And we need to move through things, do things that we might choose to do differently next time. But that doesn't mean that we're somehow wrong or bad for making the choices that we did in any given moment. So I think probably the majority of the time it's, it's, it's something that it's like this unknown, unseen, unfelt, intangible quality or being almost that we just, we feel is like sitting there, like judging us and telling us that we're wrong and we believe it. You know, and I think this is very human is like, I want evidence. I want, I want to see evidence that of something. And so if you have something or you're perceiving, you're perceiving something that is letting you know that you're, that you've done something wrong, that is the evidence that we then latch on to. Mm-hmm. It's like this now becomes evidence that I'm a bad person, that I've done, that I've, I've actually, I'm, I'm intrinsically not good. I'm a bad egg. And it's coming from outside of ourselves. It's not our true self. It's this this outer reflection that is misguided. Yeah. I want to read Brene Brown. She heard like how she defines shame. Yeah. So I define shame as the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Some, something we've experienced, done, or failed to do makes us unworthy of connection. Mm. And it's so, so powerful. And it's, yeah, what she says in there, like the belief that we are flawed. Yes. And that to me, like, as we're talking, like, I just see the matrix. I see like this, like unseen, like web of programming and templates that we subscribe to unknowingly, unwillingly. And, you know, we're just allowing ourselves to be swept up into the matrix of patriarchal structures and systems. Yes. And you know, I know this, that sounds maybe a little etheric and out there and whatever, but it's, it's so insidious, like the way it works into, and the thing is, is like, it's not even, we do it now to each other. Like oh, yeah. if, there, if there was a, a person sitting there, like a system or a government or whatever, sitting there, like putting these things into place, they don't have to do anything at this point because we do it to each other so well. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's primary shame where I'm sitting there and telling Catherine, you're bad because you chose to do this. Yeah. Like you're not a good person. Right. And then there's secondary shame where we're doing it unknowingly. We're unknowingly shaming. Shaming ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Or shaming each other. Or shaming each other out, outwardly. Yeah. When, when we, and I think that, yeah, I don't know. It's just like, it's so big. Well, <laughs> from my perspective like it's also i mean 
I'm kind of blown away, honestly, around this topic because I don't think I've ever had like that kind of conversation that we had yesterday, just like kind of feeling like exposing <laughs> um, the things that I was holding on to shame for. And we didn't even like, there's more we, we're going to, we could do it again. <laughs> just like let it out. <laughs> Yeah. Um, maybe not right here on the podcast, but, <laughs> um, but I'm like my, my daughter is going to be 18 in January, just a few months from now. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, has this just been living within me? Like the things that I heard that maybe I shouldn't have done or, you know, like the choices that I made when my now almost adult daughter <laughs> was a toddler and I've never spoken about it. It's just like lived within me. And how has that, how has that affected my own sovereignty and trust mm. within myself over time too? Like how has that shame sort of it dimmed my light in times where, where it didn't need to like, yeah. And how, how many times did I not connect with another mom for fear of those shame feelings? How many times have I censored myself? Like a lot <laughs> all of the time I'm censoring myself or holding myself back to um from connection because i'm so afraid of exposing something that may not be tolerated by another and i'm not talking i'm not talking about really bad things here i'm talking about like using disposable wipes and and diapers like <laughs> you know like also having like you know boxed annie's pasta like things like that like where these are small, like if it, it, I believe in the law, like in the large scheme of things, these are really small things that just like pile on the shame. Mm. Um, it's not like I have these big overarching things that I could even point out to you that really have, have weighed, but I think it's more these little ones that these little decisions that they These compound over time. They compound over time, like you said at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I totally experience that. And it's always like, what what do I feel safe revealing to this person at the playground while I'm, you know, amongst other moms or meeting and, you know, small talk, chatting with other people, getting to know people and yearning yeah. for that connection with other mothers. And at the same time, not being willing to really reveal like these things are on, you can talk about these things you can't talk about. Yeah. And it, yeah, it creates self-censorship and then it creates these walls, these boundaries. And I wouldn't say that they're like the good kind of boundaries. They're, you know, they're, the, the, it creates the divide, the separation. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it, that's our heart, right? Like our heart when we're like the energy center itself, it's like when the, there's not, when balance is not there, we're really feeling that separation between us and others. Mm -hmm. And 
that's very isolating and it's very lonely. Um, and I think, yeah. And I, again, I think that motherhood really shines a big light on it because that's where it's just, it's constantly there <laughs> and it's very, very loud. But I mean, this can be traced to anything in our lives, really. And, you know, as an entrepreneur and creator myself, I, I, I see the parallels everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know? How do you feel that shame shows up for you in, in your work? Mm. Oh, you know, I think it, it comes in the, fl- the flavors of um, maybe I don't know enough. I don't know enough, or I'm not as good as this person, or this person has more of this, or I'm not, who am I, who am I to hold this kind of space? And um, like stuff like that, like a very like self-doubt, very self-deprecating. And it's like, guys, I'm not sitting here saying that I'm walking around like constantly, this is the dialogue, but when it does show up, these are, this is what it is for Totally. Yeah. Right. And, or I'm creating something, you know, right now I'm, 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 creating an Oracle deck and I'm, I'm almost done and it's all around creation intelligence and I'm really excited to share it. And there's a part of me that's like, is this any good? Is this maybe, maybe this isn't good. Maybe, maybe, you know, you just like go into it. And then I feel ashamed of the work that I'm doing. And I'm like, who am I to be doing this? I shouldn't be, somebody else should be doing it because I, who am I to be doing this? Yeah. The shame sets in and it's like, it's not, it's like, like nothing has happened. It's almost like a beast. It's its own. It's like this shame beast that when we think about it with our logical minds, it doesn't line up. Like we know, we know that that voice is wrong. Yeah. We let it live there anyways. Yeah. And that's why I think it's really good to have somebody outside of yourself that can remind you of who you are when you forget or the beast is there, right? Mm -hmm. So having a coach, having a mentor, having a podcast (laughs) co-host, a great friend, also a great friend, um, somebody who you really trust that can remind you like, Hey, maybe. And what if, what if that's not actually the truth? Because it is, a, you know, you've heard the term shame spiral and that's exactly what it is. It's like shame, shame creates shame, creates more shame, creates more shame, creates more shame. And pretty soon it will eat us alive. Mm-hmm. And don't say that lately because I've lived, I've lived periods of my life in total shame. Like I'm just not a good person, you know, and it consumes you. Yes. And it needs more and more and more to feed off of right? So it's not just your mothering, it's your, it's your partnership. It's your, you know, your lovership, your, your business or your work or your, your friendships. It's your, you know, your hobbies, it's everything. It becomes everything in your life. It's like a wildfire or we keep it like you're saying. Yeah. It's like this, this flame, this little flicker of a flame that exists within us. And we don't even know like what it's doing. It's just operating like undercover. Totally. You know, and we don't even know, but it's just that, that ick feeling. Yeah. Sometimes, or that, that, that feeling of needing to shut down or not show who we really are, Mm -hmm. not be, not be who we really are. 
absolutely in, in our allness and our fullness and ugh, wow yeah it's really really intense and then we we trace this over into you know something that Catherine and I love to talk about is like birth and like the creation process and like mm-hmm. how much do we see this we've been seeing this in birth since when like when did things start to change and things were overtaken by the medical system and like yeah within our- the last less than 100 years really how much it's shifted and become medicalized and then but then there are there are still births that require some medical attention. So it's like, like in the natural birth world, I I see it, it a lot, this perpetuating of shame for mothers that made a different choice or perhaps their birth unfolded differently than their plan. And the medical system became part of their experience and, and letting that be okay but dealing with that shame around it is really important. Mm-hmm. And I've like, as a, a birth worker and someone that has a social media platform, I suppose um, I'm really aware of like how I'm spinning my words and talking about natural birth because yes, I strongly believe in it. And at the same time, I don't want to be shaming others um, in making choices about something that's so personal, that's so multi-layered and so complex. Like as simple, I say this all the time with my clients, but like as simple as birth is, it's also very complicated as mm. we're not just bringing this baby into the world, but we're also we also hold on in our bodies, our lineage stories around birth mm-hmm. and yeah, like how our mothers were born, how our grandmothers were born, like how, like these things all affect how we will move into the birth process. And it's so much more complicated than just popping a squat in your bathroom and like having a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, even if, yeah, I've done that once. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I have done that before. Yeah. And that took a lot of unconditioning, reconditioning, unlearning, and also a lot of faith and trust. And it's interesting to to also think that the choices that I've made around all four of my babies pregnancies and births have all been different too. Mm. I'm grateful that I don't hold any shame around those experiences. I can say that for sure. Even the interventions that I said yes to or um, said no to, for example, um, I'm very grateful for that, but that was part of my work in each subsequent pregnancy. (laughs) Yeah, I got yeah. a new chance to un like uncover that shame and work through it. Mm-hmm. So, um, and not everybody has that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Like, well, may only have one pregnancy, um, and 
I think if I had only had one pregnancy, there would be some work to do around, um, around my first baby's birth, mm-hmm. my second baby's birth. I thought, like, you know, like there was a, a culmination of, of those experiences was really worked out in my last birth, honestly, yeah. like my last pregnancy and birth sort of tied a lot of loops for me, but I still have a lot of shame around motherhood <laughs> and, yeah. like, and, and just choices like that we make even in my relationship and with my husband and how I've treated him in the past and, and things like that too. So. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very nuanced. And I think as you're speaking, I'm like birth, you know, it's at, at least the way I, I like to see it. It's like this process of coming back home. It's it's an invitation back home to yourself. And that doesn't mean that you have to, yeah, like pop a squat in your bathroom with just you and your partner. Like it's a, it's the process and your process is going to be whatever process it is going to be for you at that given time. And so unhooking from the matrix of shame in whatever capacity, right? Cause there's, you know, there's people who opt for planned cesarean sections and mm. that's just what they want to do. And they want to get back to work. And like, who am I to say that that's wrong for them? Absolutely. I've, I've worked with clients that are choosing that choice. Yeah. And it's like, choosing and that I, choice, that yeah, <laughs> choosing that choice, but like, and I've had, I've had periods of time where I'll be honest, like there was maybe some judgment around that. Like, but don't you understand what you're missing out on? Mm-hmm. And like, and, and, and the, the, somebody who's speaking, you know, my perspective is not that I've had a, a free birth in my bathroom, right? Like that's, but, you know, but then I'm, so I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is like, we really need to be able to examine where we're hooking, where we're projecting shame onto other people based on what we believe their choices should be. Yes. And I I see this because the thing is, is like, if we're taking birth, for example, as an example, because it's so much about our bodies, our, our homes, our temples, and the invasion of the medical system and the patriarchy that's taken over, over thousands of years, and including the last hundred years, um, you know, with birth being so medicalized and everything. And it's also very much out of our control, like as much as there are a lot of aspects that we have control over during the birth process, there's a lot that we actually don't have control over. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the thing is, is that, and something that you've said to me before too, is we make the best decisions for ourselves in the now moment. Mm-hmm. And it's not helpful for us to look back at those decisions that we made from that from that singular perspective in that now moment we can't go back it's unhelpful to go back and shame ourselves because maybe we would make a different choice now yeah but you probably wouldn't make the choice that you made now if you didn't make the choice that you made exactly. back then then and so yes. it is it's this like it's this evolution that exactly occurs. and it's like you know, that's we've gone. Of, that's exactly it. It's this evolution. Thank right? you. That's sort of what I was insinuating when I was talking about like my experiences, like 
that I got to that experience in my last because of my other experiences, because yeah. of a lot of other experiences got me there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think where my train of thought was going was like, you know, we, we've been brainwashed into, you know, with birth believing that we're safer in the hospital and we're safer with all these interventions and we're safer. We're better off just to get it done and over with. Like I, my, the OB that I had that I have to have in BC uh, Mm -hmm. with twin, with a twin birth, um, you know, she was like, don't you just, you know, wouldn't it just be nice to just like have an epidural and have some laughing gas and get the C-section and then your babies are here and you don't, you know, it was just very like, wouldn't it just be nice to have that? And this is like what they're taught. Like it's a system that's passed down from generation to generation to generation of educator, birth educators in the medical field. And, and as a process, we've come so far away from our bodies in so many different ways. I mean, this starts even pre-pregnancy. This is like when we're seven-year-old girls looking at teen magazine and all the models and Vogue and whatever else you looked at. I can't even remember the magazines. Mm-hmm. But we start to deconstruct our bodies and therefore the trust that we have in our bodies from a very young age. So of course, when we enter into our birthing years in the system that we're in, it's going to be manipulated to fit their narrative and what they've been taught, not because they're bad people, but this is just, this is the matrix. Mm -hmm. And so that's one pers- one side of it. And then we have the other side of it where I see it, I see it a lot where there's, uh, you know, you know, then I guess the natural birthing world is what you called it, but like, there's a lot of shame now on that side of it where it's like, oh, yeah. if, if you have any kind of inf- in- intervention, if you, you know, have a birth, if you have if your birth is in the hospital at all, then like, it's very shamey. And I will tell you, I do not like it. Mm-hmm. One because it means that you're casting a judgment on me because I chose, and I chose to be in the hospital. Mm -hmm. I, Jim and I talked about it and I was like, we could, but then what am I trying to prove? Yeah. Yeah. I want to birth here. I want to be in the process here. And then I want to go to the hospital because that's where I'm going to feel safer, but I want to have, you know, it was very intentional, everything that we did. So for me to have any kind of shame around it, there's no, room for that in the experience. There can't be any room for that because every decision that we made was made in the moment and it was made with what was best for ourselves at that time. Mm -hmm. But I felt was best for me. It's best for the babies, best for Jim, best for our family. That's, that's the situation. So there's these two polar sides here and they're at war. And what, what happens is everybody in the middle gets shit on. Totally. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Yeah. How was that serving to bring us back to a more holistic, more body centered, more natural, more trusting space? The, 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 you know, the medicine isn't shame, isn't to shame people and scare people into doing what you want them to do, what you believe is right to do, or making people regret the decisions that they make. Like this is, we've seen this, we've seen this in the pandemic. We've seen this the last two years have been so glaringly like hard to not see it, right? We're shaming each other over everything. How can we come back to our body? How can we come back to the wisdom of our bodies? 
when that's like what our nervous system is operating under. Yeah. And our, in our intuition and our own autonomy, our own sovereignty. And that can mean opting for a belly birth. <laughs> like that can mean giving birth in the woods with a harp player or something. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know, like it, when did we, when did we give over? I know it's like the, the patriarchy, but it's like, how can we detang- <laughs> like, um, entangle or detangle ourselves from the web of, of their over, like of the overarching like narrative or reach from any perspective around these choices that we're making, whether it be in our birth, birthing time or birthing our business or, you know, like, why can't we do it our way? Like, and can that not be enough? Can, can we move through our shame, let it go or not even hold on to it at all and, and let, yeah, let our sovereignty come through and have some grace with ourselves. Yeah. Cause I mean, I think it can be a lot easier with the bigger things, like the the bigger moments in our lives or the the bigger decision making that we make, maybe buying a vehicle or a house or, you know, like those types of decisions. I feel like it can be easier to work through the shame because they're such large monumental moments of our lives and you can kind of give yourself more grace. But with for me, it's like the little ones that that add up and can we have some sort of i think that there should be some self-awareness around around shame and bringing it to the light and having a practice to to move it through so that you don't end up waking up and realizing like oh my gosh i'm holding on to all this shame i had no idea you know um having more converse, real conversations and and being maybe taking more risks yeah. in in where it could land yeah and i feel like this as we were talking what came in was like the whole this whole idea around informed consent and like mm. and in all areas of our life like how like making like decisions from this very honest place within ourselves, having all of the information presented or knowing all of the information and then being able to trust our bodies to make the right decision for us in that moment. And I, I feel like it's hard to do that when we're riddled with shame or, or where, when the decision making process comes in or whatever you're like, that's the immediate reaction is just like shame is just there, like making the decision with you. Cause you're, then you're doing it to try and not instigate more shame, yeah. right? You just want to like keep it at bay. Totally. And then this other piece of like, yeah, when you said like, can't we just do it our way and like be okay with that and like allow ourselves to do things in our own way. And I, I've been hearing this so much. I feel like in the last year of like, you get to do it your way, like you yeah. get to do it your way. You get to have a family your way. You get to 
mother your way. You get to have a business your way. Like I, I feel like this is like a lot of language that's coming in through the healing arts mm-hmm. um, in the last year or two. And it's like trusting ourselves, right? How can then, I trust myself to And then also trusting others to make their sovereign choices with what information that they have at hand. Yeah. Right. And then like, cause I, I know it can be a little bit confusing because there's that edge of like, well, should I not say anything because they're on their own journey and I don't want to educate them on it's like, well, no, it's like we, we want, it's coming back to that informed consent. So if I love that because say um, I noticed that my friend put a, their baby in their car seat and maybe it, there's something wrong with the buckle. I'm not going to not say anything because they made a mistake um, and I want them to learn on the, their own. Like, no, no, a baby could be at risk here. Like I'm going to say, but it's also like minding how you're communicating so that you're not bringing up shame in that new mom or that new entrepreneur, (laughs) you know, like how being more responsible for how we are communicating with others, even if we're coming from this kindness and we want to educate, we want to share our message. I am a huge advocate for natural birth, FYI. And I also see the value in our medical system. It can be both. Um, Mm. right. Like, but I'm careful. I'm being more careful and, and bringing more awareness in how I'm sharing those types of messages so that it doesn't come from a place of shaming others for making different choices. Yeah. It's tricky though. It's tricky. It's like, it's a, it's not, um, it's not an easy fix like we're not gonna solve this problem on this podcast but perhaps bringing more awareness in how we're communicating with each other and being less narcissistic in our views yeah it's so narcissistic right now and I think that's why I had to take a a little bit of a little step back because I'm like but also like re-examining my own where am I where might I be perpetuating yeah, shame in others be- based on how I choose to live, where I choose to grow, or I choose to do whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a healthy thing to examine within ourselves, especially when we have these platforms that we can hide behind. Right? It's so easy for us to to have these very polarizing perspectives or these very intense viewpoints, and the way that we communicate them are going to be perceived by people. Mm -hmm. And there's this whole viewpoint of like, well, I'm not responsible for how you feel or how you, I can't, I'm not going to censor myself so that everybody feels good. And I, nor do I think that we need to. And it kind of brings in the question of if I'm responsible for no one except for myself, where's the oneness in that? Yeah. And like, can we bring more, as you said, like awareness and thoughtfulness to how we share and how we're expressing perspectives or viewpoints or opinions or whatever, 
so that it's not going to like doing our best to do no harm essentially. Yes. Right. And I do believe that we should have a certain level of responsibility to each other. And if there's anything that I ever said in any of my, which maybe I have, I probably have at some point, you know, activated somebody in a way that I wasn't my intention, you know, I do apologize. And I would always want to hear from those people, but you know, it's like, yes, can we be free to be who we are and share our perspectives and our opinions and, and, and be responsible and be responsible in how we're doing so, because we just, we just don't know. Right. It's like, we can't be together when we're still separate. Yeah. And I think, and I think that this is one of one, one way, one small way, and just, just even examining it a little bit for yourself is one small way that we can start to break those chains of shame that exist in the matrix. I think that's the only code. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Break the shame, break the, the chain of shame. Yeah. In the matrix by examining where we perpetuate shame in others, where we, yeah. Yeah. It just feels more compassionate and more, more gentle and more loving. And like, I can have my perspective and my viewpoint and live my life. And I can trust that I'm safe to do that. Mm -hmm. And in, and in that, I trust that you can have a different perspective and viewpoint and opinion and live your life in a certain way and feel safe to do so because I believe that that's true for you and that gets to be for you as long as it's not like hateful. Yeah, absolutely. As long as you're not over there, like living your own, you're like this little racist, like, yeah, no, exactly. I, and I hope that our listeners, uh, get that. Like (laughs) I trust that, that they do that. It's not, yeah, it's not about that. Like that, that there's boundaries in, and how much we can allow. It's interesting too, because I could see how bringing, even just bringing awareness, how we could be hurting others could also shed light on how we're hurting ourselves. That was weird. Cause I was just literally like, just thinking that, <laughs> like, like the, our ability yeah. to have compassion and, and gentleness and grace and kindness with other people is so much a reflection of our ability to give that to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so the reverse would, you know, the opposite would be true as well. And yeah. if you look and you were really willing to sit down and examine that, you will see that that is the truth. How kind are you to yourself? How compassionate are you to yourself? How graceful are you? Are you with yourself when feelings of shame come up? Mm-hmm. or feelings of whatever come up do you shove them down do you spiral do you, do you spiral into it do you Feel. beat up on yourself more yeah. like and there's no right or wrong here it's just the awareness of it and then mm-hmm. the how are you going to now respond with that awareness i feel like this is something that i'm leaning into right now in my life i don't even think it was some, like on my radar until we started talking about it but i'm like Oh, I think this whole like pause, secret pause I've been in has been a lot about mm, just like coming back to this like centered place and like coming back to the body in this way that I might not have fully done before and starting to examine all of this, all of these nuances. Totally. In how I'm showing up in the world 
and how that's also reflected in how I show up for myself. Mm -hmm. It's powerful and a little bit overwhelming. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's like, wow. Like it's like, I think when we get off our podcast episode recording, I think I might actually just like write a list, like write it out, like write down all of the things I'm, I've been holding shame around just to like put it somewhere. Yeah, totally. To like see it. Yeah. Light and yeah. And then see how it like, how that's maybe affected areas of your life. Totally. You know, like I, I know what just popped in for me is like, it stifles creativity. Like if I feel, if I'm feeling shame in my body, if that's like, you know, the feeling like yeah. if you really feel, think about it, feel into it. It's like, you know what that feels like in your body and where it lives and how it be, behaves and how it reacts to certain things. And then when I tune into that, I'm like, it's the killer of all things creative for me. It's like, I can't be fully expressed in, in my work and my creativity, my, my art, if I am riddled in shame spiraling into that territory and it's and it's informed by so much of our lived experience so anything that you haven't healed anything that hasn't been alchemized that's still there like that's all and like don't let it overwhelm you Mm -hmm. because there is so much and so just like even being writing out this list if you know you listeners are willing up for it yeah. Being able to look at it with some like compassion and absolutely acceptance and like forgiveness and gentleness and love, kindness. Like it's all, it's okay. Yeah. I see you. Yeah. And there's nothing to feel shame about here. Mm-hmm. There is no room for shame. There is no room for shame because when, when we allow it to take up space, it takes from us. It yeah. takes when we give shame room. Yeah, it pushes other things away. Yeah, like for me, I I think the biggest is yeah, I, I can resonate with the creativity piece, but mostly I think it's my relationships with other women that it it's affected the most. I would yeah. say, yeah, yeah, I can relate to that as well. Yeah. And then, in, and then, in, uh, you know, I mean, this is where the conversation came up is like in, in mothering, like trusting the evolution of motherhood, trusting the evolution of the mother archetype within you, mm-hmm. right? It's like, yeah, I can sit there and stress that I have flame retardant in my couch and my, my new car and, you know, all these cancer causing things that I not even, wasn't even aware of. And mm-hmm. sometimes I give my kids Annie's <laughs> and they've had Tylenol a couple of times. <laughs> Trusting <laughs> the decisions I've made were good. They were good decisions. Yeah. And they, and were, they were a stepping stone into something else. Totally. And if you're looking back and there's some decisions that you maybe don't like because there can be those two that you would definitely not repeat and that you do actually feel like you did something wrong. 
then you, you can also release that and, and let go of the shame that you're holding around that because like the Oprah quote, like when you know better, you do better and mm. allowing yourself to have grace and compassion for younger Catherine that didn't know better. And now she's going to do better because she does know better too. So it's like, yes, because maybe not everything was the best decision, but that's, that can be okay too. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that makes me think of, again, Brene Brown, she's quoting her a lot in this episode, but you know, uh, she says shame is I am bad and guilt is I did something bad mm. and how guilt is actually, it is an evolving tool. It's like, it's, it's a productive emotion to have mm-hmm. because just like you're saying, it's like, I can look back on something that I might choose to do differently next time and choose to evolve Yes, because of that guilt, it almost becomes like the fuel to propel into a different. But I think when guilt in that in that ass in that situation, if you were if you did actually do something and it wasn't just this like imaginary thing that came in, which shame often is, but you you did do something that you would choose to do differently, and you don't, and you just don't do anything. You don't you don't allow yourself to evolve. It's it sets in. And I think that's when it turns into shame. It's like, mm-hmm. I did something wrong. That means that I'm bad. And bad now. Yeah. I'm bad. And now I have all this shame and yeah. And so, oof. Oof. and now it's like raising the next generation to not feel so much shame in how we treat them and how we treat our children. And so that they, um, they learn better tools in order to not perpetuate this okay. feeling. And how do you think the best way to teach that? Well, I'm just thinking of like simple, like I'm thinking maybe like at a toddler level, even just how we're communicating to them around right and wrong. Um, hitting your sister is not okay but that doesn't mean you're a bad boy, you know, like being really intentional around the language that we're using when we're speaking to our kids um, and talking about their behaviors versus who they are as individuals mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that they can learn to dif- differentiate. Okay. My behavior wasn't okay, but I'm still loved. Yeah. And little kids are so, I mean, there's their, their bodily, uh, sovereignty. It's so intact at that mm-hmm. point that it's like, yeah, I think everything, how we're communicating that vibration that they're receiving through words and, and, and from us, from how we are with ourselves too, mm-hmm. that, that starts to inform their trust or mistrust in their bodies as they get older and totally. their ability to differentiate between like, those emotions and it's it's a hard one i i think it's a kind of a it can be a difficult one because kids often times when they are being disciplined they really do take it on as mm. them being wrong like them being wrong themselves so a, a practice that i i tend to do is like after after the the discipline the conversation around it 
then coming back around to speaking to them about it even more in terms of like why, <laughs> like the, the why that behavior was wrong, really bringing it back to the behavior and, and making sure, because like you can see with their body language, how it's landed as mm-hmm. well whether yeah. they're feeling shame around who they are versus like, oh, I did something wrong. Okay. Yeah. Do you think like even for toddlers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think even for toddlers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're just so wiggly. I know. <laughs> Can you just listen for a second? <laughs> I think it depends. Yeah. It depends <laughs> how, how, um, even if it's not in that the noun moment, making sure like I'm just thinking of my little guy. He's four and a half, but when he started being a little bit more physical, <laughs> maybe two years ago, like around two and a half, yeah, starting to like just making sure that even if it wasn't in the now, like so the discipline would happen, which would generally be like separation and no and. Um, let's do something different, like distraction, but then talking about it later, like maybe bedtime, talking about how, what his good virtues and and things like that. So that it's like, it doesn't necessarily have to be right then, but yeah, always coming back and coming back and anchoring them in to who they are versus what they've done. Yeah. Mm, thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you. <laughs> no and thanks for everybody um listening yeah (laughs) we are so excited to be back for season three and if this episode uh moved you inspired you if you enjoy these conversations as much as we do it would be so amazing if you could share with a sister share with a friend um or you could also uh give us a five-star rating on your platform of choice you could write us a review all of these ways are ways that you can support us um in continuing to uh show up and record and 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 have these uh these powerful yoni codes come through so thank you thank you so much for being here yeah and i'd like to invite you to check out the link in in our show notes um, to join our newsletter where we send out occasional love notes and invitations so to, to community gatherings and online um, circles so please please check that out yeah we'll see you next week <laughs>